having a cranberry Bud Light seltzer and it smells, you know that smell of alcohol, like maybe after, like the, the day after where like you're cleaning up and there's lots of half empty cans and mm-hmm. the sweetness of it is kind of sickening. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm talking about? It smells yes. like that, but like I haven't had it yet. So <laughs> it seems like extra bad. Well, sorry. Yeah. Just drink sorry. it. I'm drinking kombucha. Oh, nice. Fancy. I drink kombucha um, when I feel like I'm being healthy. It's uh funny that you're drinking kombucha, a uh very popular modern health product in America. Um, because today we're going to be talking about some of the origins of the uh, American health food industry. Okay. Doesn't that sound like fun? This sounds super fun. Um, <laughs> this is Together Alone, a podcast where we talk about the stuff that we like. And I'm Olivia. And I'm Henry. Okay, so we're going to talk about one specific company. Uh, it actually did inspire a few other ideas that we might hit on later if uh, you all cool. enjoy hearing about this one. So let me know if you want to hear more. It's a um, series. It can be, yeah. Uh, so this is, we're going to be talking about Celestial Seasonings. Do you know that company by that name? I, it's the T. I thought it was T. It, it's the T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's T. Um, yeah, you're like, it's tea. It's not health food. What, what are you talking about? We'll get to that. <laughs> okay. Um, With specifically, like the art, it's like the art on the box. That's like yeah. a unicorn and a wizard and like a, oh, do they have unicorns and wizards on some I of those? I think so. I think it's the same company. I don't, I don't see the unicorn wizard, but I do see like. A panda with the, oh, there's the unicorn and wizard. You weren't yeah. kidding. Yeah. Mint magic. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so much more fun than the the art that I associate it with, which is, uh, of course, their sleepy time tea. Yeah, the, the little bear. sleepy bear. There's also so one that has a dragon and a princess. Man, they're killing it on the uh, tea box art game. Yeah. <laughs> so they are a tea com- American tea company. I'm betting that 99 to 100% of everyone listening is, if not familiar with Celestial Seasons, Seasonings specifically, they are are familiar with sleepy time tea it is maybe one of like the most well-known teas i think around at least amongst people that i know yeah um it even kind of went through its own like little meme phase for a while a few years ago it was made by celestial seasonings which is an american tea company uh based in boulder colorado okay they just to hit on some quick facts some sort of uh surface level wikipedia celestial seasonings website facts they specialize in herbal teas. Um, they also sell green tea, white tea, chai tea, and black tea. In 2006, their annual gross sales were approximately $100 million. Um, and I've seen a couple sources citing them as the um, most successful American tea brand. I'm not 100% positive that that is factual, mm-hmm. but um, uh, several different companies are saying it. And if they're not the most successful, then they're, they're like, up there. they're really high up there. Yeah. yeah. They like compete with like Starbucks's Tivana brand. So they, uh, Celestial Seasonings was founded by basically a couple hippies in the 70s. This guy named Mo Siegel uh, was sort of the, the head of it. And then there's also John Hay, Peggy Clute, and a few others. Uh, right now, what I'm telling you is from their website. Um, I'll go ahead and give a few references like I did last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I have used uh, Wikipedia's articles on them and a few other subjects that we're going to hit on. Um, I've also used uh, their own website, the Celestial Seasonings website. 
an article from the Thought Catalog, article from Inverse.com, an article from, this is a little spoilery, but culteducation.com. <laughs> Uh-oh. And basically this whole thing is um, in thanks to a writer named Megan Giller, who, who we're going to talk about more in a sec. So thank you, Megan. Um, you can check out her website at megangiller.com. I figure I would just plug her. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they started in the early 70s. They were a bunch of hippie hikers uh, mm-hmm. that enjoyed hiking out in Boulder. And in like 1969, Mo and his friends uh, started gathering herbs and flowers in mountains around Boulder and then just selling them uh, to local health food stores as tea. This seems pretty much like nothing uh, to us. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. There's like lots of local tea companies like all across America. Mm -hmm. But back in the late 60s, early 70s, this idea of you being able to make tea out of things that aren't tea leaves was like pretty alien to like the american average american consumer it's just it's just a little sketchy it's a guy picking flowers going this tastes great i'm sure and then just sort of doing it like where's the regulation here (laughs) you could be putting whatever you wanted in one of those i yeah that's true this was the 70s so there's definitely less regulation back then than you would expect now that's fair but it's a thing yeah but the the idea of making tea without using tea leaves was very much not a thing um and so first mo and his friends were selling this blend they went on like one big trip like hiking trip specifically like harvest and they harvested 500 pounds of like herbs oh. and blended it, uh, put them put them in these little bags and sold them as Moe's 36 herb tea. Okay. Uh, so just kind of shoving, literally like you said, <laughs> just like Whatever let's you put find. every single tea in there possible. Yeah. Um, and that was actually really successful. Like people loved it. They were eating it up. Wow. They said that their the Celestial Seasonings uh, name for the, the company was based off of one of the co-founders, one of their friends, Lucinda Ziesing's flower name. Okay. <laughs> which, again, they're a bunch of hippies. So there's it's, it's a nice little story. You know, you've got some hippie hikers. They're like, hey, we can make a cool drink out of all these plants. Mm-hmm. Let's gather up 500 pounds of them and sell them to local stores. And that's um, it. End of podcast. And, and that's, that's it. That's all I have made. prepared for you. <laughs> um, no, there's more. So fast forward way, this is back in like 1969, 1970. Fast mm-hmm. forward way, 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 all the way up into the uh, mid 2000s. A uh, writer named Megan Giller is, she's a native Texan living in Brooklyn. She goes on this vacation trip to Boulder. And taking tours at the uh, Celestial Seasonings plant is like mm-hmm. a really big tourist destination. So okay. she went on one. She thought it was really interesting and wanted to learn more about the tea making process. She's a food writer. Uh, so it was like a natural next step to mm-hmm. want to just interview someone sort of in charge and get more of a you know full story that she could write up a little like fluff piece on about yeah. uh, Celestial Seasonings. So she asked <laughs> the company if she could just like interview their blend master who at the time uh, was a guy named Charlie Baden. But her requests were met with just a hard no, just like full stop. No, Weird. you cannot interview uh, anyone over here. And being a writer and apparently a good one at that, she was like, okay, time to start doing some research. Yeah, that's sketchy. Yeah, that's a little weird. So she dug in and unraveled this like massive, massive story. 
and a couple different magazines have interviewed her on it since and i'm pulling from those including uh, mm -hmm. food and wine but in the end she was like i i'm betting that they were sorry they didn't just let me do this puff piece on yeah. them so when she dug in, this this is what she found. Their story is true. They were a bunch of hippies doing a lot of hiking out in Boulder. Mm -hmm. But Mo and John, uh, who is also with them, but especially Mo, at the same time as uh, when they were first making this, like Mo's um, 36 herb tea, mm -hmm. he was getting really heavily invested in this Bitcoin. book. Oh. In Bitcoin, <laughs> yes. <laughs> He was also getting really heavily invested in this book called the Urantia book. It's a 4.3 pound. I don't know who weighed it, but it's a 4.3 oh pound, 2097 page tome that was first published in 1955. It is okay. a, yes, yes. It is a modified Seventh-day Adventist text uh, that was, oh. yeah, that was supposedly communicated <laughs> to an anonymous man who was in a trance by aliens. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's a bunch of Seventh-day Adventists where I live now, which is super exciting. That's um, very fun. And I know a guy who is kind of an ex-Seventh-day Adventist because he was like, yeah, it's wild. And if this is a modified version of that, that yes. means it's even crazier. <laughs> yes, you are on the money. Okay. Do, do you know if, if the normal Seventh-day Adventists they, like do aliens is that a thing i don't think so i think that's okay. the, probably the part that's a a little bizarre i, I think they have a guy kind of like the mormons where they're like this guy was spoken to by the lord and then that's why we follow what he has to say okay and they also Got think it. that when the rapture happens your entire body gets taken and so they try to eat really healthy so it's like you have a healthy body so they have like, the right a hot bod for the the, the for afterlife the, even though if you've died your body's obviously not good anymore so are, don't know how are they, they uh, get around that yeah one. are are they the ones where it's like there's only a certain amount of like slots for the whole heaven oh thing? oh i don't know i don't i didn't hear about that but i'm not sure if i'm mixing them up with someone else but I, they might be the ones where there's like there is a set number and it's a small number oh, it's like a no. hundred thousand or something then how can they be sure that it's not already full that's that's a great question maybe you should ask him um anyway so you have an alien book now Yes. So while he was picking his 500 pounds of herbs, he was reading his 4.3 pound book on uh, aliens communicating to man by putting an anonymous person into a trance. Cool. So, there are a lot of claims that no one knows who wrote the book, but it's pretty much certain that it was written by this psychologist from the early uh, 1900s named William Sadler. Okay. He was he's one of the like prominent american psych psychiatrist psychologist i think psychiatrist at the time mm -hmm. it, okay so in for some more background on that uh there's a, a book by this author named martin gardner uh titled urantia the great cult mystery <laughs> um and in that he says that around 1911 another man in sadler's apartment began having like fits and spells at night and okay. eventually he started speaking in other voices Ooh. and revealed that he was a student visitor on an observation trip here from a far distant planet. Oh, okay. That's, that's real. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's saying that he is, he's an alien, like exchange student, like an, <laughs> an alien on a field trip, like a, uh -huh. a, you know, and he is visiting via this, this other man in Sadler's apartment. 
Okay. And it happened enough that uh, William Sadler and his wife, Dr. Lana Sadler, uh, would start having conversations with these voices coming from this man each night for 10 years. Oh. Um, and their adopted daughter, Christy, would take notes on the whole thing. Oh, God. They got um, the whole family involved. Exactly. And so then 10 <laughs> years later, in like the early 1920s, a group of friends who eventually called themselves The Forum put together a list of 4,000 <laughs> questions for oh. these beings. Oh, God. That's a lot of questions. That's a lot of questions. Yeah. And it goes back and forth between it being like one alien and it being beings. So I don't know mm -hmm. if like it was a whole class of aliens and they were like taking turns with the man for yeah. their field trip. <laughs> I'm not sure. Also, 10 years is a long class, though I guess maybe in alien time, it, it's not as long. Yeah, um, maybe time flows differently in space yeah that's that's a long time to be a student they must have been going for like their phd or something doctorate in uh their doctorate in human earth, studies earth possession human studies i mean hang, hanging out in an apartment at night because that's like all he was doing well, yeah. i guess like it's why like would, you didn't really learn much <laughs> why would your like field trip only be at night and if you're on an observation trip why are you mostly just like telling Sleep people things yeah sleeping and just telling yeah telling people like, like what he didn't like go out and observing? observe stuff yeah yeah <laughs> and they they freaking wrote four thousand questions for him and then uh a few weeks later the sleeping man furiously wrote a manuscript that answered all of them so <laughs> apparently they got that on lock okay so they took these communications from the alien beings which they're now referring to as uh revelators okay and built it into a book that became the Urantia book. For a little more context, this the author of this like explanation, Martin Martin Gardner, writes uh, that these direct trance mediums were like really popular in the second half of the 1800s. So this was okay. this was a big fad where somebody mm -hmm. would start uh, just speaking in alien tongue. Uh -huh. um, and everyone was like, yeah, yeah, this is real for sure, for sure. Yes, this guy yes, doesn't this have any super sort of legit. issues. He's not... Nope acting nope. out for attention no it's real yeah so this real. book and the forum that's such like a menacing name too it's extremely menacing like you couldn't have come up with like we're the happy time friends club and we like nope, to nope, nope. it's the forum at least they had the uh you know the integrity to be to sound as creepy as they are yeah i guess so <laughs> They're not hiding it between behind like the happy fun time group. Yeah. So that that book and that group turned into a whole organization called the Eurasia Foundation, and it was published uh, in the 1950s. Later on, uh, in the 1990s, many of the followers of the book started to hear celestial voices of their own. Of course. Um, but the foundation hasn't acknowledged that any are legitimate <laughs> and instead has done quite a bit to discredit them. So they're oh. like, no, 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 no. All of that was fake. You can't have this too. Ours <laughs> was can. real, but yeah, none of, none of that is real. They never revealed the name of the original human transmitter, but it is suspected that it was Sadler's brother-in-law, uh, a guy named Wilfred Custer Kellogg. No relation to the Kellogg of the cereal? You know, that's a really good question. It is in relation to a sanitarium uh, mm -hmm. that was run by Dr. John H. Kellogg. Uh, Sadler worked there and clearly got involved in the family. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. What? 
John Harvey Kellogg, American physician and health food pioneer who developed whose development of dry okay. breakfast cereal was largely responsible for the creation of the flake cereal. Yeah, industry. yeah, yeah. Well, because I knew that the Kellogg guy he made like cornflakes to be the most bland cereal so that you wouldn't be horny and masturbate. Like that was oh literally why cornflakes were invented. This blows open a whole new. <laughs> this is a whole nother segment. All right, this is going to have to at least be a two-parter okay. now because we got to dig into that. That's fine. That's great. I wish I would have looked into that sooner. I'm glad um, I, thank um, you for asking. Yeah, I'm glad I revealed that fun fact to you. That's amazing. <laughs> That's sort of the background behind this book and then this foundation that formed behind it and kind of cues you up to young, I think he was around, he was in his late teens, uh, maybe 16 or 17, um, uh, Mo Siegel, who is reading this book as he's planning these hiking trips and producing his Moe's famous 36 blend tea. Okay. Yes. Uh, Moe Siegel doesn't talk directly about his experience with Urantia very frequently. Um, And so you have to kind of pull what he has said from various sources together to get a picture of his actual involvement in it. Okay. Um, And it's a lot. (laughs) One of the sources is there's this book written by the people who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, and Mm. it's titled, You've Got to Read This Book. 55 People Tell the Story of the Book That Changed Their Life. And one of them is our pal Mo, and the (laughs) book that he talks about is the Urantia book. And in it, he says a lot of stuff. He starts off explaining that I thought that it was just the goofiest thing I'd ever heard, but then after he read it, he was no longer concerned with how it was written or who wrote it uh, because it was so powerful. Because uh, the book itself purports to be written by alien angels. Obviously. Uh, so yeah, he, he in that book, he talks about how he found it in 1969. And then in the same year, he started hiking up the Rockies for herbs. Um, and then he, he explains how he attributes the text as being a major reason behind him deciding to found celestial seasonings. He says, uh, quote, after studying the teachings in the Urantia book, I knew that it would feel selfish and wasteful to simply focus on material success. So as Uh-oh. a young man, <laughs> when I began thinking of what I could do to make a living, I immediately turned to the health food industry. The ideas in the Urantia book were the inspiration for the uplifting quotes we print on the side of our tea box boxes and, I, and on our tea bag tags. So Caroline McDougall, the company's fifth employee uh, and current founder and CEO of a company called T-Sino, said that Mo and John used the Urantia book as a guiding principle and continually quoted from it. Um, At staff meetings, they would even use quotes to bolster their arguments. So in the same way that some folks might lay down like, you know, verses from the Bible, they Uh would lay down verses from this massive 2000 page uh, alien bible tome oh no she added it was a guide for making sure of the moral values that underlay the company at the time all right so we've talked about the book a little bit uh or at least mo's love of this book but like Mm -hmm. what is actually inside it i read all 2000 pages of the book to give you the ends and i'm just kidding that no 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 freaking way (laughs) you're a liar Uh, i can give you a play-by-play uh of of some of the more interesting beats more Mm -hmm. awful beats uh, some of the things I'm going to say, I don't even really want to have a recording in my voice saying them, but oh, they, no. they're so bad, but oh, we're just no. going to kind of trudge on through. <laughs> These do not respect, do not reflect my opinions or the opinions um, of this podcast or the opinions um. <laughs> of this podcast or of any sane or good person. Okay. So, 
Uh, Lucifer, Satan, Adam, and Eve, and Jesus are all terrestrial, extraterrestrial beings who have visited Earth. Them's all aliens. Okay. And this right now, that's a that's a quote not from the book itself, but from Mo. Oh, so he's extrapolating. <laughs> yes. So he he writes that Lucifer, Satan, Adam, and Eve, and Jesus are all ter- extraterrestrial beings who have visited Earth. Um, he also uh, tells us that Adam and Eve were brought to Earth to upstep the human race. And you might say, what does that entail exactly? <laughs> Let's get into it. So the first three parts of the Arantia book describe a like complicated universe with seraphim and spirits and semi-spirit beings of all sorts. Mm-hmm. And then the last part of the uh, book tells the entire story of Jesus's life in detail. So it, it goes from like year one to year 36 and outlines like it was like, wow. like a journal of his life. Yeah. Okay. Though it just has a few thousand followers, the book has been translated into 20 different languages and there's even a famous operatic cycle based on it as well as at least four fantasy novels. Oh. Um. So it's like <laughs> it has a small-ish following, but those who do follow it are like really... Really, really passionate about yeah. it which does sound like a, a cult, cult. <laughs> uh, yeah so our planet earth uh is called urantia oh, okay yeah i was wondering where yes. that came from yeah it's like it a... turns out we were wrong on earth it's actually urantia it the book purports that there have been many many sons of god uh like jesus on different planets because there are billions of worlds okay um <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's reasonable. And it also reports that when evolution, quote unquote, is complete, each of the worlds worlds will have 100,000 local universes with 10 million inhabited planets. So I think they're using worlds in sort of a weird way here. I think they're mm-hmm. saying like there are different dimensions. Each dimension has 100,000 universes. Each universe has 10 million inhabited planets. Okay. And god puts his sons on each of them and jesus was ours and ours is called urantia okay it's a lot and there's more it's just like a lot there's a lot of numbers happening here there are a lot of numbers (laughs) and i'm not finished um earth is called urantia and it's number 606 in a planetary group called satania and then the headquarters like the capital of satania uh is called jerusalem Okay. Not Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Sounds like these aliens, or they weren't very creative, or maybe we yeah, weren't very creative, or maybe we weren't, or maybe it's sort of like um, uh, Da Vinci's Code deal, where the real names are hidden in the, you know, it, I, yeah. who knows? Uh, it's we all just, a big puzzle. We just needed to put all the clues together, and we could exactly. figure it out. Exactly, and we're doing it right here for all of you. <laughs> we're joining this cult. No, we're definitely not. Oh, no, um, no, no, it gets much worse. So uh, when we die, we are reincarnated from planet to planet. Okay. And then eventually we reincarnate to paradise, which is where, quote unquote, the deity lives. So okay. we, we go on this grand tour and then we eventually end up chilling with God. So cool, cool, cool. Do we visit every planet or do we just visit some of them? Unclear that's a to lot. me. <laughs> you could consult the text, but it, it kind of seems like all of them. I think I think oh, it's like a shit, circuit. Man. Yeah. So like we're on six oh six. There's a hundred thousand universes in ten with ten million planets each. We got a lot lot to go. I'm tired um, just thinking about it. <laughs> I know. Some other things. There's a 
a little piece of the deity, like a little piece of God in mm-hmm. each of us. Cool, cool, cool. His name, though, is Thought Adjuster. Oh. The piece, the piece of deity in each of us is called Thought Adjuster. Okay. Yeah. Is that his Christian name? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's his Urantia name, name I suppose. Name. Um, actually, there's several languages invented, purported by this book. Um, there's Uversa, and then there's uh, Salvington, and then there's Satania. And I think it, it goes like, there's a language for the overall, which is I think is Uversa. Okay. And then... Salvington is the language for like our uh, universe, and then Satania is the language for our planetary group. Okay. And according to William Sadler, the uh, psychiatrist behind all of this, basically, mm-hmm. the language that the alien inhabited man spoke was Uversa, and uh-huh. then Uversa, then he had to translate it into Salvington. And then from there, he could translate that into Satania. And then from there, he could translate Satania into English. How did he know Uversa and Salvington and Satania? Mm, Unclear. Good question. Um, Also, if he knew all of them, why did he have to step down? Could he have just gone from Uversa to To, English? It seems like a lot of extra steps. I don't really understand. And how come there's not a language for our whole world? Yeah, it just goes straight to English. Hmm, weird. It's almost as if there's some sort of implicit bias <laughs> underlying this entire text that we haven't quite gotten to yet. Oh, no. According to Urantia, uh, starting around 50, 500,000 years ago, six colored races appeared on the planet Urantia, appeared on Earth. Okay. And they were red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and indigo. It took me a while. Yeah, no violet. It took me a while to figure out that indigo is supposed to be black people. I still don't know who, like, most of the other colors are. Yeah. It also oddly states that some strains of green and orange peoples can have gigantism or giantism. Um, Okay. So maybe there, maybe that's uh, biblical proof of Shrek. I'm not really sure. And then there's this whole thing about how the earlier races are supposed to be superior to the later races. So like the, by, by color. So like the red man stands far above the indigo race, oh. says paper 51 of the Rurantia book. And then quote, each succeeding evolutionary manifestation of a distinct group of mortals represents variation at the expense of the original endowment. Furthermore, the yellow race usually enslaves the green, while the blue man, which corresponds to Caucasians, question mark, what? Uh, subdues the indigo man, and then in brackets, black. Why are why are Caucasians the blue man, and why are black people the indigo? I don't know. I don't even, I'm, I have a very hard time seeing the difference between blue and indigo. Yeah. But that, that almost sounds like the Urantia equivalent of saying, I don't see color. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've got this... We've got these different colored humans. Okay. And they're all, each of them is above a different one because mm-hmm. reasons. Now, on every planet throughout every universe, fair skinned, blue eyed aliens named Adam and Eve will appear to upstep the natives. They show up and they're like, listen up, all you rainbow people. Mm-hmm. We're here now and we're better than you. 
<laughs> so it says when their progeny mate and the acceptable inhabitants of the planet, the quote inferior stocks will be eliminated and there will be one purified race, one language and one religion. But before that happens, says paper 51 of the Arantia book, the inferior and unfit are largely eliminated. It seems that you ought to be able to agree upon the biologic disfellowshipping of your more markedly unfit, defective, degenerate, and antisocial stocks. So this is this, that's a quote from the the Urantia book referring to different peoples of different ethnicities. It seems like they are really into eugenics. This is eugenics. <laughs> yes. Oh, As God. it turns out, the writer uh, Sadler has also published several other books, all of which uh, are about eugenics. Uh, okay. They are titled Long Heads and Round Heads, or oh, What's the Matter with Germany, published in 1918, <laughs> um, Racial Decadence, An Examination of the Causes of Racial Degeneration in the United States, published in 1922, and The Truth About Heredity, published in 1927. So he publishes all these eugenics books and then also happens to slip out this cult Bible yeah. that just so happens to echo all of the same eugenic sentiments that to the point where conveniently, they're... Conveniently, the white, blue-eyed people are the most superior, so... Yes, yeah, and Adam and Eve are here with their perfect blue eyes to show everyone up. There's literal like lines from uh, the Urantia Bible that also show up in his other texts so cool. it's very convenient that this uh trance man happened to say the exact same things that he was saying in his books already uh-huh so he had already written his eugenics books before the urantia his first one was written in 1918 that was uh long heads and round heads or mm -hmm. what's the matter with germany I don't know what that means to such a degree that it's funny to me, but I'm pretty sure it's probably really, really probably insulting probably if bad. I actually understood the context. But yeah, that was written in 1918 and uh, Urantia didn't come out, wasn't like released until 1950. Okay. Uh, so yeah, and then his other book came out in 1922 and then 1927. Mm -hmm. So yeah. though he claims that like most of the writings from this dude were finished by like 1921, that's when like the forum had their yeah. stuff together. Um, it sounds like, yeah, he was doing some serious copying back and forth. Yeah. What I described with like the different colored people and then Adam and Eve showing up and turning it all into like one color and one religion that and everything. That happens to be white. <laughs> yeah, that happens to be white. That's supposed to happen on every inhabited planet. But then mm -hmm. the book Urantia explains that um, it didn't go according to plan here. Like Adam and oh, Eve okay. done goofed. And because they goofed, quote, having failed to achieve race harmonization by the Adamic technique, you must now work out your planetary problem of race improvement by other and largely human methods of adaptation and control. No. The book goes on to say that evil in the form of illness and disease exists because, quote, unfit peoples like, quote, Australian natives and the Bushmen and Pygmies of Africa. Oh my God. These miserable remnants of the non-social peoples of ancient times uh, haven't been eliminated. And then it goes on to kind of push, well, not kind of push, definitely push that eugenics is the way to correct this error, which oh is what they're God. referring to with human methods of adaptation and control. Oh my God. Uh, it, <laughs> and some yeah, hippie guy was like, yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> Let's make tea uh, around this. <laughs> yeah. 
it, uh, paper 70 of the Rancho book goes on to say that, quote, biological renovation of the racial stocks, the selective elimination of inferior human strains Ugh. will tend to eradicate many mortal inequalities. Uh, uh. One, of the, <laughs> one of the articles that I was reading talking about this compared it to Hitler's words in Mein Kampf where mm -hmm. he says the demand that defective people be prevented from propagating equally defective offspring represents the most human act of mankind. So this is right up there with sort of Hitler's deal. Yeah. Not Ugh. good. No. <laughs> <laughs> really not good. So that kind of leads to the question of like, what is Mo getting out of all of this? Mm -hmm. He he sort of in his writings on it, he sort of gives mixed messages. In in one moment, he's writing, "Belonging to any particular race provides no spiritual advantage or disadvantage. All persons are equal in the sight of God." But then in another moment, he writes, "At the present time, mankind loses as much progress as it makes by ignoring eugenics." So, uh, and then um, he went on to become the leader of the Urantia Foundation. Great. Yes. And in uh, their website, the Urantia Book Fellowship website, under their 20 most asked questions, he writes that, quote, illness and disease results from evil and causes suffering. Uh, unfortunately, several factors hinder progress towards the development of a disease-free world. The laws of genetics are immutable, and from the physical cornerstone of evolution, at the present time, mankind loses as much progress as it makes by ignoring eugenics. So, not great, Mo. Mm -hmm. Really not great, dude. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. So, where does this... This is what Celestial Seasonings was born from, right? And it's what it was run on for over a decade. Yeah. Celestial Seasonings was purchased by Kraft Foods in 1984, mm -hmm. and then Mo himself retired uh, two years later in 1986. Um, the next year, Kraft said that they were going to sell Celestial Seasonings to uh, Lipton Tea. Okay. That got nixed by antitrust laws because it was going to become like the mega tea. <laughs> um, and then local management purchased the company back from Kraft uh, two more years later in 1988. Uh, and in 91, good old Mo uh -oh. uh, returns to be serve as a CEO in 1991. Uh-oh. Okay. In 2000, Celestial Seasonings merged with the natural food company, the Hain Food Group, to form the Hain Celestial Group. And uh, in 2002, uh, Mo retired for the second time um, from Celestial Seasonings and is now full-time the uh, leader of the Ur Urantia Foundation. Oh, great. So he's still yes. on there. He's still on he's it. He's more on there now than ever before. Ugh. In 2010, uh, there was an email sent to, quote, Readers with advanced information and forward-looking perspectives that are not suited for being posted on the website oh. um, by the Urantia Foundation. So, like, to all of their followers. Uh -huh. And uh, a follower named Martin Greenhut wrote that the trustees had convened on a panel on eugenics. So they have, like, their own sort of eugenics email Jesus. chain and eugenics, like, secret shadow council going on. Oh, my God. Uh, that was back in 2010. Um, yeah. Yeah. This, this uh, follower, Martin Greenhut, also named all the panel members, um, the sh most shocking of which was this guy named Kermit Anderson, who at the time was the genetic screening program director at Kaiser Permanente in California and the author of a ton of genetics research. Oh. So like a very influential person in the field of uh, genetic screening 
was on this panel for urantia based eugenics. Oh my yeah. god. Not it goes all the way great to the top. <laughs> it really does. I tried to look into Kermit a little bit more, but mostly just obituary postings come up. So I'm not sure if he is still active or even still Alive. among us. Well, he, um, he's probably on the next. He could be on the next planet. In the next planet, yeah. doing his yeah. thing. Being a giant green man, perhaps. It yep. would only be fair. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a lot of info that can be found today on if those panels are still conspiring yeah um and both mo and the whole urantia foundation basically doesn't respond to comment uh to like journalists wow so they're keeping their shit under wraps yeah where does that leave the tea company they don't want to be interviewed <laughs> yeah. we know that much <laughs> mo hasn't been with them since 2002 so it seems unlikely that his guiding hand is still at play mm -hmm. there and the other his other friend john hay left the company in 1985 because he was upset that Mo wanted the company to become, quote, like Coca-Cola, oh. <laughs> which it did. So Mo won that one. Yeah. And uh, ultimately, Mo kind of got his wish because uh, since 2000, the company has been part of the Haines Celestial Group, which is a multi-billion dollar corporation that includes Arrowhead Mills, uh, Maranatha, Spectrum Nationals, and Jason. Um, they're all like health food companies. Mm -hmm. um, and Celestial's basically invented like the whole category of natural health foods that we now very much just take for granted. Um, they kind of kicked off this like organic food trend. Yeah. Which is also funny because one of their, they've been in several lawsuits over the years and one of their most uh, prolific ones uh, involves a class action lawsuit uh, accusing them of falsely label labeling their uh, tea and other personal care products as being organic. Mm-hmm. They they claim that their teas were all natural, even though they allegedly contained pesticides. Oh no! Um, specifically, one called uh, Propaclor uh, was said to be in their Sleepy Time Kids Goodnight Grape Tea. Oh no! Um, and it is quote a bad actor chemical, meaning it is toxic, carcinogenic, or a known reproductive or developmental toxicant, oh, my a carcinogen God. and a developmental or reproductive toxin. Mm -hmm. um, this is under California uh, food law, and that was in um, the children's. And tea. that was allegedly in the ch the sleepy time children's good night grape tea. Oh no, um, that sounds awful. By the way, good night grape tea, like hot grapes. Grape, like hot, hot grapes, <laughs> man, man, oh man. Oh no. Yeah. So they reached a settlement on that in 2015 and agreed to pay consumers 7.5 million dollars in compensation for mislabeling their products, as well as 2.4 million dollars worth of coupons. Hooray! Oh, Thanks. I'll just buy more tea. M more children's grape tea containing toxins. Uh, neat, neat, neat. In uh, Celestial Seasoning's defense, <laughs> um, a company called How Good, which rates packaged food products, have stated that Celestial's products receive a quote unquote great rating, mm -hmm. which means that in terms of social and environmental impact, um, the company is 85% better than all the food produced in the United States. So, there, there does seem to be some indication that they put some effort into making their, a positive impact with mm -hmm. their products, but it is hard to overlook both the um, alien-based uh. eugenics <laughs> origins and also maybe some of the more recent California-based lawsuits. Yeah. I mean, if the guy isn't involved anymore, it doesn't seem like it's the worst to support them because he's not profiting right. off of it right. anymore. Yeah, that's that's a hard thing to 
to get yeah. over. The writer who the the food writer who originally uh, cracked this case, yeah. Megan Giller, um, she wrote that for her part, though she's a fan of the teas, she threw out her boxes of tea. It made her a little sad, but she felt like she couldn't support them anymore. Yeah, which I can understand. I think I will probably be thinking twice next time I'm in the in the tea aisle, especially considering how many tea options there are available to me. Yeah. That said, they really do have the market on herbal teas, so it's kind of yeah. tough to replace some of the ones that they have. And you can get one that has a unicorn on it so it yeah there's not a lot of teas that offer unicorns (laughs) that's all i'm saying that's all i'm saying um but yeah that is uh our tale on urantia that's wild the sort of sinister beginnings to uh the sleepy time tea bear that we all know and i previously loved no one used to love (laughs) maybe have some mixed feelings about now yeah well it's not his fault all right is that everything you have on cult tea bears tea tea cult. yes i learned something new and i hope all the listeners did too sorry if it makes you look at your favorite tea brand slightly differently yeah you've just it, ruined it for me sleepy time tea for <laughs> everyone oh well anyway um thank you all for listening and hope you all enjoyed hope you learned all about the tea the tea bear let me know if you want to hear more about popular products that were born from spooky cults (laughs) that may or may not have been sent by aliens on a field trip how about the field trip man yeah just alien field trip is critical yeah (laughs) (laughs) um thank you matt for our song forever nameless it's a good song and if you all want to follow us on social media we are on instagram and facebook at together alone pod we're on twitter at together alone pod together but no er and we have an email address. It's togetheralonepod at gmail.com. Send us ideas, um, feedback. If you just want to say hi, go for it. Do it. We'd yeah. love to hear from you. Please, 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 please. Also, another thank you to Megan Giller. She was totally responsible for anyone finding <laughs> out about this. Uh, she has a book called Bean to Bar Chocolate, which you can acquire wherever books are sold. And please share our show with your friends. Unless your only friends are us. And in that case, I guess it won't be very helpful. But please you know. s- send this episode to all the followers of Urantia. Uh, we would love to get their feedback. No. Actually, that sounds very scary. Don't no. do that. <laughs> I've already um, gotten on the bad side of some BTS fans. I don't need yeah. an actual cult after me, too. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to the BTS stands that did not agree on our hot takes. Um, yeah, I still actually legitimately feel bad about that. So <laughs> I, the public eye is not the place for me. But here we are. <laughs> here we are. We're, the, we're in the public ear. It's fine. Is that it? Yeah. While we're in this ear, let's just say goodbye. I love you. Bye. Love you. What do you got a little person in your ear that's just constantly telling you that they loved you? I love you. I love you. Actually, that'd get really annoying really quickly. Yeah, no, I'd be sticking a Q-tip down there. All right. Oh, God. Anyway. Bye. Bye.